Yo, what's up, you guys? It's me, Odari Swinney, host of No Money, Mo Problems, and I'm back again to talk about the market correction. Um, man, I think that we have to ask ourselves, what did this past market correction or the volatility that we've seen over the last few weeks, um, what has this taught us? Or really, I would say this this past year, the last couple of months, um, what has this really taught us? And I, I think one of the first things um, that is extremely clear is that investing is an emotional game. We have to deal with this. This is something that we have to address. We've seen this time and time again. And I think if we do not acknowledge this reality, we're doing a disservice to ourselves as one, individual investors, and two, as advisors. I mean, you can come with all the analysis that you want. You know, you can come with all the spreadsheets. You can come with all of the projections, which um, as one of my friends or one of my mentors, I'm pretty sure he did say this, Peter, you know, those projections are... To be uh, <laughs> to be a little clean, they're BS, um, as some would say. You know, we can come with all of our analysis and all of our projections, but the reality is at the end of the day, we're still dealing with individuals. We're still dealing with people. People have emotions. We all have emotions. Like, come on. Like, you've gone to the grocery store before and you went in, you know. <laughs> you went into the grocery store really happy, spunky. But, you know, you you got the cart that was a little squeaky and you saw the little kid that um, dropped soda that got on your shoes and uh, you couldn't find the snacks that you were, you know, and you leave that, you leave that grocery store a different person, a different human being. Like, like we all know that, that, that as individuals, as humans, our emotions are fleeting and that they're changing and that's just a reality of life. But whenever we're dealing with something as important as our finances, as important as investing, um, we cannot not acknowledge this reality. We even do this within our relationships. Like, come on, people say, let me go take a walk before we have this conversation. Cause you know, you're emotional. We should do, we should take the same approach or acknowledge that same thing whenever it comes to our investments, um, or really just our money making decisions. You know, I know sometimes it can be a little bit difficult for some individuals to conceptualize or understand. And even for me, I have to, you know, have a wake up call in some ways because my introduction into, you know, the financial planning world or the wealth management world or the investing world was a little different, you know. Since I put a penny into the stock market, I always knew and believed that markets were efficient. So no matter what volatility I saw, I had always had um, the understanding or the belief that markets would always recover um, through the long term. I'm not saying that it would recover within two weeks or two months um, or not even two years, but over the long term, I always knew and believed that markets would recover. But this is not the reality for a lot of people. And we're not even going to – I'm sick and tired of us uh, – which sometimes I'm a part of this, but it's okay. I'm sick and tired of us making this notion that this is just Gen Z or young millennials that are uh, you know, a part of this – um, you know, sell off or individuals who are um, selling their money um, inside of this market down. This is this has been going on since forever. You know, like this is not individuals who have just started investing over the last couple of years or over the last couple of months. Um, but it's important for us to realize with all of that being said, these are real dollars that have been lost. Like there are some individuals whose retirement plans and financial plans have forever been changed over the last few weeks. Like, 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 we, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't walk past that. We can't walk past that reality that real people, seriously, 
Like, stop and think about that. Real people have lost substantial amount, a substantial amount of their assets in the last few weeks. Like, that is, that is a scary reality. And I think that's what empowers or gives me a lot of the passion that I do about what I get to do. Because I understand that people need help and people need an advice, like, people need an advisor to help with some of these overreactions. Like, my brother came into town this past week and it was really fun having him here in St. Louis. This was his first time visiting. Uh, Uwe, thank you so much for pulling up on me, big bro. Uh, he actually starts his residency program in about a month. So, uh, shout out to my brother on first off getting, uh, into a residency program, which is a big deal. Uh, but with that being said, me and him, we were, we were at this uh, spot called Taco Buddha. It's a local spot here in St. Louis in U City. My man Keaton took us out there and, uh, we we're ordering our food and we, you know, we just scanned it on the QR code. And, uh, whenever we got back into the car, we were just talking and we were, uh, I was making the mention of like, man, look, if a spot don't got Apple pay in about a year and a half, like they just won't have my service. Like, because you know, it's just so efficient, but just to think about over the last, what, I don't know, over the last, not even just two years, over the last few years, just think about the technological advancements we've seen. Like we were at this sit down restaurant. We paid for our whole meal and ordered our whole meal off of our phone, like just from a QR code that was on the table. So this QR code that was on the table, you know, it, it, uh, whenever we put in our order, like the individuals knew exactly what table we were at, could, you know, put, place our tip, all that stuff. Like that is, that is remarkable just to think about the technological advancement that we've seen over the last few years. To even add on to that, think about something like Apple Pay. You know, like we don't even really talk about cash. We don't even really carry our cards around that much. You know, like the, like most of the places that I go to and that I shop at, I use Apple Pay. Like that wasn't the norm four years ago even. So, you know, thinking about all of the changes that we've seen technologically and the technological advancements that we've seen inside of our day-to-day life, we understand that we have so much more information, but we still, as individuals and as investors, overreact to volatility. Time and time again, nothing has changed, really. Um, let, let, let's just think about this. So over the last 10 years, the, the 2010s, the 2010s were dominated by large cap. So let's even say that you weren't even that you know, well diversified because just investing in the S&P 500 is not, I would say, in my opinion, a great example of full diversification because it's just the the 500 largest companies in America. But we'll still use um, the S&P 500 for this example. Let's say you invested in the S&P 500 that ran um, the 2010s as far as a uh, return. Year to date in April, at the end of April, the S&P 500 was down 12.9%. So almost 13%. So if you were to invest a $100,000, that $100,000 would be, you know, in value right now close to $87,000, right? But if you look at the three-year return, y'all, this is insane. If you were to look at the three-year return, so this is including this past year, year-to-date that I'm talking about, your return would still be close to, not close to, over 13%. Actually, it's it's a little bit closer to thirteen point nine percent. So that a hundred thousand dollars that you had invested would have would would be close to a hundred hundred thousand and thirteen dollars now. Like y'all, that is overreaction for someone to see a thirteen percent dip in their portfolio within a couple of months and then to sell. But the reality is that same portfolio over the past three years has had a thirteen percent gain. 
like are, are are we seeing are we seeing this pattern of that investing is not just an there's not just an analytical approach not saying that the analysis does not matter because it does but we have to be aware of the emotional aspect of us being just human and being a person um and this is why i have been and always will be a huge advocate for individuals having an advisor this is why advisors are so important and I would say the importance of an advisor will continue to increase um, as time goes on. But, I mean, it looks different and it's continued to, to be an ever-changing thing. In a lot of ways, previously, um, people had this perception, or I would even just say perception. It was this reality that advisors were giving you or would give you information that you could not get other other places, right? You know, they, they people would see this as just stock tips, um, which I wouldn't say that was the only thing. But additionally, it was, you know, investment planning and tax planning strategies that you just could not find anywhere else. Um, but with the increase in information over the last, I don't know, decade or so, um, and, you know, usually finance, I would say, you know, is a pretty old industry, uh, usually kind of fall a little bit behind. But even the increase with financial information, financial education, um, to even add on top of that. So I think that with the increase in financial education or information, you might say, I think that this has changed the role or uh, modified the role or the importance of an advisor. Because now, rather, I would say as an advisor, we're more as information brokers. We're there to decipher past the information that our clients take in because you're getting information everywhere you go. You can read another thousand blog posts. You can listen to another thousand podcasts, but you do want to tune in to No Money, No Problems. <laughs> but you can listen excuse me, you can listen to several um, different outlets about investing that give you sound investment education and sound investment advice, you know, talking about, you know, automatic savings, um, diversification, tax loss harvesting. There's a, there's thousands of those article posts out there. But on the other side, there's another thousand TikToks or another thousand articles, another thousand podcasts out there talking about another side of investing or um, to give you a, uh, um, the other side of the coin. But the reality is, I would say both are not perfect. Why? Because no matter what I say to you, no matter what the next podcast that you listen to says to you, no matter what the next YouTube video says to you, those those individuals do not know your plan. They do not know your own specific individual financial plan. And that's that's what we're missing here. That's what we're missing here. Whenever you talk about different planning techniques or um, different investment advice, it has to be or it should be applied to an individual's plan or individual's financial plan or holistic um, approach to their finances. Because, like, you know, you're we can talk about all the analysis of expected return. But your risk tolerance affects that, <laughs> you know, like your risk tolerance matters. Like, how do you how can you digest volatility? Because if you make a certain amount of money um, and you don't have that high of a risk appetite, it's OK if you t if you take a little bit of risk off the table, if you're able to still meet the goals and the desires that you have. But only an advisor or only your individual advisor would be able to or should be able to recognize and digest those things and apply it to your financial plan. That's the beauty of having an advisor or having a financial plan set in place you know like i remember 
I remember a couple of uh, months ago, this was what? I think it was probably like earlier this year. I mean, things have just been flying by. Um, but I remember earlier this year, whenever there was a little bit um, of volatility, I think it was like early January, early February, something along those lines. But I remember uh, someone posted on, uh, man, social media is so funny. I remember someone posted on social media about how Odell Beckham took his whole salary in uh, Bitcoin. And, you know, even the analysis the person put out there was just wrong. But to add on to that, I want to take a step back and talk about how initially whenever Odell Beckham took his salary um, in Bitcoin and how this was like a big thing whenever people were taking their salaries in Bitcoin. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I remember individuals were then dogging on Odell, um, of like, yeah, no, he took his, uh, he took his pan Bitcoin. So now it's actually worth this because of the decline, blah, blah, blah. And this, this and that. Woo, woo, woo. Like, you know, whatever, however you want to put it. But the reality is you don't know Odell's plan. And listen, I, let, let me speculate for a second. <laughs> let me just make some speculations. I don't know. Odell Beckham's probably one of the most uh, famous athletes uh, or one of the more famous uh, or more prominent receivers in the NFL or not even receivers. One of the more famous players in the NFL who has millions of in- endorsements. And that's not even talking about his salary. I think Odell can miss a whole year of salary and his financial plan will still be OK. <laughs> I think his advisor knew that. <laughs> like. I think even if Bitcoin went to zero, Odell's plan would be okay. But th- what does that have to do with your financial plan? Like, like, here's the thing. I, I think, I think we should go back to, I don't want to say, <laughs> I was going to say we should go back to the old, uh, old days, man. I was going to sound like a, like a 75 year old guy. Um, but I think that we, we should, we should really uh, ascribe to, Something that we always say in my community of, you know, mind your own business. <laughs> like, you know, mind your own business. Or, or another thing is, uh, don't, don't pocket watch. Uh, for those who don't know what pocket watching is, it's basically whenever you're, you know, looking at someone's finances and you're checking it, like, man, just mind your own business. Because the reality is, Odell Beckham's financial plan has nothing to do, keyword has nothing to do with your financial plan. And that's where we get, that's where we go wrong. Not only whenever we look at billionaires or millionaires, um, investment advice that has once again nothing to do with your plan, um, does not take into account your, um, your tax, your, your, ta- your, your own taxable income. It does not take into account your own risk tolerance, like these, these things that really do matter. Like why 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 are we looking at Odell Beckham's uh, financial decisions and feeling like that should then um, influence our own financial decisions? It shouldn't. Um, they should be extreme. They should be separate from one another. So all in all, what should we get from this? Uh, what am I getting from this? What should you get from this? The reality is we have to acknowledge that investing is an emotional game. So whenever you make an investment decision or you're dealing with your financial um, picture. Try your best to take emotions out of it or where there are emotions, acknowledge it and build that around your plan. Second, the second thing would be, you know, I would really just put this as hire an advisor. Uh, but to, to make this a little bit more concise or really for my show notes, I would say the second thing is that your advisor is your information broker. I'll say it again. The second point is your advisor is your information broker. In today's day and age, there's way, I don't want to say too much information, but you can find whatever you want to believe on whatever it is. You know, we've seen this over the last year. If it's the vaccine, um, if it's your thoughts about politics, if it's your thought about whatever it is, you can find whatever opinion you want there um, on the Internet. But your advisor knows your plan. Your advisor can sift through the information and apply it to you. So now that I'm done with... uh with my investment talk, 
I mean, y'all, this, this, this channel is called No Money, Mo Problems. I'm sure that most of you guys know that I DJ also. I love rap music and I love hip hop music. So I'm doing a disservice of not talking about that on this podcast. Um, so as far as on the new segment <laughs> of new music, uh, want to talk about, you know, one of the goats of our generation. Yeah. I wish I had like an applause or something like that, uh, to, to, to put in the background. Um, but Kendrick Lamar dropped his, uh, dropped his, uh, his, his two disc album. Mr. Morale and the Big Stepper. And I want to talk a little bit about this. I think that, uh, man, this was such a good day for hip hop music or for rap music in general. We got to have one of our, um, one of my generations, one of our generations goats come out and really just drop some heat. Like this, this, this guy really did put on full display his rap ability, um, and his artistic prowess. It was beautiful. Um, I know that a lot of you guys know that I'm a huge Drake fan, but I, I love Kendrick Lamar and I love his music and I think that he's done a phenomenal job, um, you know, really since, since inception. Uh, so, what did I love on this album? Man, I loved uh, Kendrick Lamar's vulnerability. Like, I, I think that uh, one of my favorite things in music in general, but uh, specifically rap, is really just hearing people being honest. Like, I, or, or I, I, let me flip that. I, I love people talking about their realities. Um, even if it's not like the truth, or even if it's not, um, their own specific story. I just, I want to be able to listen to someone's music and feel what they intended me to feel, you know? Um, and, and, and to, to, to hear or have a little bit more insight on that individual story. And I think that Kendrick Lamar did that beautifully over within this last album. Um, the second was the storytelling. Like, I mean, Kendrick Lamar has a gift whenever it comes to, um, you know, really, so, we might say poetry, um, but his rap ability to his his ability to rap and to really bring stories to life like it's vibrant. You know, you almost feel like you're there and it's it's so digestible and you go back and listen to it again. And it's almost like his his words bring colors. Um, and and, and the, the last thing I would say, last thing about what I loved in the album uh, is what I would say his, his symphonic sound almost like I, I think Kendrick Lamar and, uh, or sick and tired of saying his name fully. I think K dot and yay have done a beautiful job with this. Like their, their music, their music almost sounds like you're inside of a, um, uh, an, an orchestra hall. Is, is that, is that, is, is that the right word? But it almost sounds like you're in a music hall listening to their music. And it's so captivating. Like, like, like Kendrick Lamar just has a stoic, um, he has a stoic sound, um, that comes to his music. Um, and I think the last question that I would ask is like, you know, what does this mean for rap? Like, what does this mean for hip hop? I would say this means, or I would, my opinion is if you say that this album, if your critique on this Kendrick Lamar album is this has no um, bops or this has no um, smacks, you know, as, as some people might say, has no hitters uh, as different terms as people might say. Um, I would say that your hip hop card or your rap card has been revoked. <laughs> like I am going to put I'm going to put it on suspension for a second. But and I know that some of you hip hop heads are probably or some of you old old heads are probably clapping your hands right now. But I would say in, in the same breath. Um, you cannot say you if you're the same person who says Drake's album lacks depth or um, Drake's album lacks. I don't know, whatever, the, whatever corny terms people use, um, consistency um, or lyricism, your hip hop card is revoked also. 
It, it has to be put on suspension. And I know some people might get annoyed or mad or like, what the heck does this have to do with Drake? Whenever we're talking about two of the greatest rappers of our generation, um, the same way that whenever we talk about Biggie, you cannot not talk about Pac. Um, we, we have to talk about the, the two because they, they, they have been performing on this, this highest, on the highest level of frequency whenever it comes to good music. Um, and I say all of this to get at the point of we, we try to we try to hold um, Drake to standards that we hold Kendrick to. And we try to hold Kendrick to standards that we hold Drake to. We try to hold them to standards that just are unrealistic. It's it's not fair to, to, to hold Kendrick to the standard to create music that is, you know, the hardest in the club. And I'm OK with that. I'm OK with with not holding Kendrick to that standard. But in the same breath, I'm not going to hold Drake to the standard of him spitting a, a 54 verse, um, a 54 bar verse. That's not his game. Like Drake has been killing us with the melodies for the last 10 plus years. I mean, he's he's he Drake has single handedly. And think about this. Think about this. If you think about the early 2000s and the late 90s, the amount of, of, uh, R&B artists, male R&B artists that we had that were at the pinnacle or the top, um, of the music industry in comparison to now, it has single-handedly been wiped away by Drake because he's blurred those lines. Like you can't listen to rap music nowadays without rappers having some type of melody or, um, some type of, uh, you know, some, some type of R&B sonic sound. But, and this is not to take away from Kendrick. If anything, this is to encourage or empower, um, Kendrick Lamar listeners or Kendrick Lamar or Kendrick Lamar haters. Like the reality is stop listening to Kendrick Lamar's music trying to hear future. You're not going to. Like we cannot hold these, we cannot box these rappers into a box that is, that they have not even stepped into. So with all of that, I want to say, one, thank you <laughs> for listening to me ramble. Second, don't forget to uh, subscribe to my website, nomoneymoproblems.com. Um, I'll keep you guys updated there soon with a, with a monthly newsletter that I'll be putting out. Um, additionally, you'll just be able to see updates about my life, what I'm doing, uh, what, what I've been, you know, getting my hands into if it's um, DJing opportunities, uh, you know, d- different conferences or different places that I've um, been DJing at or I'm going to be DJing at. Um, additionally, you should follow me on all of my social medias at Odarai Swinney uh, on all social media platforms. And uh, other than that, please, please, please uh, give me some grace. I'm trying to stay more consistent, but stay tuned in to No Money, More Problems. And I will talk to you guys later. Peace. Adara Swinney is an employee of PlanCorp. All opinions expressed by Adara and any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of PlanCorp. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of PlanCorp may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.